Welcome to the doctrine of justification by faith through the imputation of the righteousness of Christ, explained, confirmed, and vindicated by Dr. John Owen. We are starting at the beginning of the book for this reading. This Reformation audio resource is a production of Stillwater's Revival Books. Many free resources, as well as our complete mail-order catalog containing classic and contemporary Puritan and Reformed books, CDs, and much more at great discounts, are on the web at www.swrb.com. Also, please consider, pray, and act upon the important truths found in the following quotation by Charles Spurgeon. As the Apostle says to Timothy, so also he says to everyone, Give yourself to reading. He who will not use the thoughts of other men's brains proves that he has no brains of his own. You need to read. Renounce as much as you will all light literature, but study as much as possible sound theological works, especially the Puritanic writers and expositions of the Bible. The best way for you to spend your leisure is to be reading or praying. And now, to the doctrine of justification by faith, which we hope you find to be a great blessing, and which we pray draws you nearer to the Lord Jesus Christ. For He is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by Him. John fourteen six. To the reader. I shall not need to detain the reader with an account of the nature and moment of that doctrine which is the entire subject of the ensuing discourse. For although sundry persons, even among ourselves, have various apprehensions concerning it, yet that the knowledge of the truth therein is of the highest importance unto the souls of men is on all hands agreed unto, nor indeed is it possible that any man who knows himself to be a sinner and obnoxious thereon to the judgment of God, but he must desire to have some knowledge of it, as that alone whereby the way of delivery from the evil state and condition wherein he finds himself is revealed? There are, I confess, multitudes in the world who, although they cannot avoid some general convictions of sin, as also of the consequence of it, yet do fortify their minds against a practical admission of such conclusions as, in a just consideration of things, do necessarily and unavoidably ensue thereon. Such persons willfully delude themselves with vain hopes and imaginations, do never once seriously inquire by what means they may obtain peace with God, and acceptance before him, which, in comparison of the present enjoyment of the pleasures of sin, they value not at all. And it is in vain to recommend the doctrine of justification unto them who neither desire nor endeavor to be justified. But where any persons are really made sensible of their apostasy from God, of the evil of their nature and lives, with the dreadful consequences that attend thereon in the wrath of God and eternal punishment due unto sin, they cannot well judge themselves more concerned in anything than in the knowledge of the divine way whereby they may be delivered 
from this condition, and the minds of such persons stand in no need of arguments to satisfy them in the importance of this doctrine. Their own concernment in it is sufficient to that purpose. And I shall assure them that in the handling of it from the first to the last, I have had no other design but only to inquire diligently into the divine revelation of that way and those means with the causes of them whereby the conscience of a distressed sinner may attain assured peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I lay more weight on the steady direction of one soul in this inquiry than on disappointing the objections of twenty wrangling or fiery disputers. The question, therefore, unto this purpose being stated, as the reader will find in the beginning of our discourse, although it were necessary to spend some time in the explication of the doctrine itself and terms wherein it is usually taught, yet the main weight of the whole lies in the interpretation of Scripture testimonies, with the application of them unto the experience of them who do believe and the state of them who seek after salvation by Jesus Christ. There are, therefore, some few things that I would desire the reader to take notice of, that he may receive benefit by the ensuing discourse, at least if it be not his own fault, be freed from the prejudices against it, or a vain opposition unto it. Number 1. Although there are at present various contests about the doctrine of justification, and many books published in the way of controversy about it. Yet this discourse was written with no design to contend with or contradict any of what sort or opinion soever. Some few passages which seem of that tendency are indeed occasionally inserted, but they are such as every candid reader will judge to have been necessary. I have ascribed no opinion unto any particular person, much less rested the words of any, reflected on their per persons, censored their abilities, taken advantage of presumed prejudices against them, represented their opinions in the deformed reflections of strained consequences, fancied intended notions, which their words do not express nor candidly interpreted given any countenance unto, or endeavored the vain pleasure of seeming success in opposition unto them, which, with the like effects of weakness of mind and disorder of affections, are the animating principles of many late controversial writings. To declare and vindicate the truth unto the instruction and edification of such as love it in sincerity, to extricate their minds from those difficulties, in this particular instance, which some endeavor to cast on all gospel mysteries, to direct the consciousness of them that inquire after abiding peace with God, and to establish the minds of them that do believe, are the things I have aimed at, and an endeavor unto this end considering all circumstances, that station which God has been pleased graciously to give me in the church has made necessary unto me. Number two, I have written nothing but what I believe to be true and useful 
unto the promotion of gospel obedience. The reader may not here expect an extraction of other men's notions or a collection and improvement of their arguments, either by artificial reasonings or ornament of style and language, but a naked inquiry into the nature of the things treated on as revealed in the scripture and as evidencing themselves in their power and efficacy on the minds of them that do believe. It is the practical direction of the consciousness of men and their application unto God by Jesus Christ for deliverance from the curse due unto the apostate state and peace with him with the influence of the way thereof unto universal gospel obedience that is alone to be designed in the handling of this doctrine and therefore unto him that would treat of it in due manner it is required that he weigh everything he asserts in his own mind and experience and not dare to propose that unto others which he does not abide by himself in the most intimate recesses of his mind under his nearest approaches unto God in his surprisals with dangers in deep afflictions in his preparations for death and most humble contemplations of the infinite distance between God and him other notions and disputations about the doctrine of justification not seasoned with these ingredients, however conducted unto the palate of some by skill and language, are insipid and useless, immediately degenerating into an unprofitable strife of words. Number three. I know that the doctrine here pleaded for is charged by many with an unfriendly aspect towards the necessity of personal holiness, good works, and all gospel obedience in general, yea, utterly to take it away. So it was at the first clear revelation of it by the Apostle Paul, as he frequently declares. But it is sufficiently evinced by him to be the chief principle of and motive unto all that obedience which is accepted by God through Jesus Christ, as we shall manifest afterwards. However, it is acknowledged that the objective grace of the gospel and the doctrine of it is liable to abuse, where there is nothing of the subjective grace of it in the hearts of men, and the ways of its influence into the life of God are uncouth unto the reasonings of carnal minds. So was it charged by the papists at the first reformation, and continues yet so to be. Yet, as it gave the first occasion unto the reformation itself, so was it that, that whereby the souls of men, being set at liberty from their bondage unto the innumerable superstitions, fears, and observances, utterly inconsistent with the true gospel obedience, and directed into the ways of peace with God through Jesus Christ, were made fruitful in real holiness and to abound in all those blessed effects of the life of God which were never found among their adversaries. The same charge as afterwards renewed by the Sassinians and continues still to be managed by them. But I suppose wise and impartial men will not lay much weight on their accusations until they have manifested the efficacy of their contrary persuasion by better effects and fruits, 
than yet they have done. What sort of men they were who first coined that system of religion which they adhere unto. One who knew them well enough and sufficiently inclined unto their anti-Trinitarian opinions declares in one of the inquiries that he proposed unto Sosinius himself and his followers. If this, says he, be the truth which you contend for, whence comes it to pass that it is declared only by persons the fiercest charges of such men against any doctrines they oppose as inconsistent with the necessary motives unto godliness are a recommendation of it unto the minds of considerative men and there cannot be a more effectual engine plied for the ruin of religion than for men to declaim against the doctrine of justification by faith alone and other truths concerning the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ as those which overthrow the necessity of moral duties, good works, and gospel obedience, whilst under the conduct of the opinions which they embrace in opposition unto them, they give not the least evidence of the power of the truth or grace of the gospel upon their hearts, or in their lives. Whereas therefore the whole gospel is the truth which is after godliness, declaring and exhibiting that grace of God which teaches us to deny all ungodliness and worldly lusts, and that we should live soberly and righteously and godly in this world. We being fallen into those times wherein, under great and fierce contest about notions, opinions, and practices in religion, there is a horrible decay in true gospel purity and holiness of life amongst the generality of men. I shall readily grant that, keeping a due regard unto the only standard of truth, a secondary trial of doctrines proposed and contended for many and ought to be made by the ways, lives, walkings, and conversations of them by whom they are received and professed. And although it is acknowledged that the doctrine pleaded in the ensuing discourse be liable to be abused, yea, turned into lasciviousness by men of corrupt minds through the prevalence of vicious habits in them, as is the whole doctrine of grace of God by Jesus Christ, and although the way and means of its efficacy in and influence unto universal obedience unto God in righteousness and true holiness be not discernible without some beam of spiritual light, nor will an experience of their power unto the minds of men utterly destitute of a principle of spiritual life. Yet if it cannot preserve its station in the church by this rule of its useful tendency unto the promotion of godliness and its necessity thereunto, in all them by whom it is really believed and received in its proper light and power, and that in the experience of former and present times I shall be content that it be exploded. Number 4. Finding that not a few have esteemed it compliant with their interest to publish exceptions against some few leaves which, in the handling of a subject of another nature, I occasionally wrote many years ago on this subject, I am not without apprehensions. 
that either the same persons or others of a like temper and principles may attempt an opposition unto what is here expressly tendered thereon. On supposition of such an attempt, I shall in one word let the authors of it know wherein alone I shall be concerned. For, if they shall make it their business to cavil at expressions, to rest my words, wire, draw inferences and conclusions from them not expressly owned by me, to revile my person, to catch at advantages in any occasional passages or other unessential parts of the discourse, laboring for an appearance of success and reputation to themselves thereby, without a due attendance unto Christian moderation, candor, and ingenuity, I shall take no more notice of what they say or write than I would do of the greatest impertinencies that can be reported in this world. The same I say concerning opposition of the like nature unto any other writings of mine, a work which, as I hear, some are at present engaged in. I have somewhat else to do than to cast away any part of the small remainder of my life and that kind of controversial writings which good men bewail and wise men deride. Whereas, therefore, the principal design of this discourse is to state the doctrine of justification from the Scripture and to confirm it by the testimonies thereof, I shall not esteem it spoken against unless our exposition of Scripture testimonies and the application of them unto the present argument be disproved by the just rules of interpretation, and any other sense of them be invinced. All other things which I have conceived necessary to be spoken unto, in order unto the right understanding and due improvement of the truth pleaded for, are comprised and declared in the ensuing general discourses to that purpose. These few things I thought meant to mind the reader of. John Owen, from my study, May the 30th, 1677. This Reformation audio resource is a production of Stillwater's Revival Books. Many free resources, as well as our complete mail-order catalog, containing classical and contemporary Puritan and Reformed books, CDs, and much more, at great discounts, are on the web at www.swrb.com. We can also be reached by email at swrb at swrb.com, by phone at 780-450-3730, by fax at 780-468-1098, or by mail at 4710-37A. Avenue, Edmonton, A.B., Canada, T6L3T5. If you do not have a web connection, please request a free printed catalog. If you do have a web connection and would like to be added to our mail email list, please send an email to add at swrb.com or swrb at swrb.com with the word ADD in the subject line. 
SWRB's email list is a double opt-in list. So once you've sent us your email address, you will be asked by email to confirm that you want to join our list using the email address you have supplied. Your email information will be kept confidential and you can easily remove yourself from our email list by simply emailing us at swrb at swrb.com with the word remove in the subject line. Once you are on our email list, you will be alerted to all the new free Reformation resources, free MP3s, free electronic books and texts, etc. SWRB makes available on the web as well as, at times, to our best discounts and super specials. We also encourage you to reproduce this audio resource and to pass it on to your friends. But we only authorize this as long as the full content of the message, including the header and trailer, is not altered in any way and as long as the audio file or cassette is given away for free. Thank you again for listening to this SWRB reading. And remember that Isaiah 26.3 states, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. And 2 Corinthians 13, verse 11 concludes, Finally, brethren, farewell. Be perfect. Be of good comfort. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace shall be with you.